ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. Ever since I was a teenager, I have loved a personality quiz. Am I sanguine or choleric? Am I an ENFJ or an ISTP? A Carrie or a Samantha? Like a budgie with a mirror, I've always loved seeing myself reflected back at me even though privately I thought it was kind of pseudoscience. But it turns out there is science behind at least one of the big personality factors, introversion versus extroversion. I'm Tegan Taylor and this is Quick Smart, the show that feeds you big ideas in bite-sized pieces. So what makes someone an introvert or an extrovert? Is one innately better than the other? Because it turns out one is, on average, happier. And can you force yourself to be more extroverted or more introverted if you want to? Someone who has been coming out of her shell is Sana Kadar. Hi, Sana. Hi. <laughs> yeah, I'm big shell here over here. <laughs> yeah. Are you an introvert or an extrovert? No, I'm definitely an extrovert. Same. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it kind of goes with this job a little bit, doesn't it? Yeah, there's no surprises there, really. Yeah. <laughs> so how do people identify as an introvert or an extrovert? Like, you don't really, like, take a blood test for it. <laughs> No. Well, one way you can figure out what you are is just what makes you feel better. You know, so generally the definition of like introversion versus extroversion is introverts need a lot of alone time. They recharge on their own. They feel quite depleted energy wise after social interaction. They might enjoy it, but they need to recharge by themselves. Whereas extroverts get a lot of energy out of social interaction. That's where their batteries are energized. So they don't need as much time on their own. And that would definitely, definitely be me. So it is very much a self-reported thing. There's no sort of clinical definition for it. Most of the evidence around this has to do with what's called the OCEAN model of personality. OCEAN stands for openness, conscientiousness, extroversion, agreeableness, and neuroticism. And we all have these character traits, these personality traits, but we differ in terms of how strongly we have each. So it's a spectrum for all of them, and we're all somewhere on the spectrum. And all of this is something we looked into in a two-part series on introversion and extroversion for All in the Mind. Cute little acronym. It also sounds <laughs> exactly. really chill. But extroversion, introversion, actually anything in models like that, it's really tempting to want to put ourselves in neat boxes, but we don't really fit like that. So it seems about 20% of people are at the extreme end of introversion, 20% at the extreme end of extroversion. The rest fall somewhere in the middle. But I am interested in sort of like the evolutionary basis for something like introversion or extroversion. Humans have evolved to be super social animals, like we live in communities what kind of benefit do we get by having variation across communities of some people being more outgoing and some people less? Well, different people have different strengths, right? And that those strengths work in various situations. So you don't want everyone to be an extrovert because, my God, how annoying would that be? <laughs> and equally, you probably don't want everyone to be an introvert because then no one would ever talk to each other, right? So there's strengths and weaknesses that those two traits bring to the table. And depending on the situation you're in, you might need extroverts to step up to the plate or you might need introverts to do their introversion. And partly it's just, you know, you need a mix of, of all kinds. I do feel like this conversation often comes to like extroversion rules and introversion, sorry, but surely we have negative qualities too. <laughs> we absolutely have negative qualities. We are quite prone to interrupting people because we're just so like... No, we're not. <laughs> exactly. Like we just are so keen to have that interaction that we 
so can forget to like give the other person space to say what they need to say. Um, so you know, interrupting is a very annoying quality, and that that's definitely on extroverts. I was really interested to discover that there's been research into sort of like asking people to try the other one. So like asking people who are extroverted to try to be more introverted and vice versa, which I sort of thought if it was an innate thing, there would be no benefit to that. But there kind of is. There is in leadership roles. So one of the researchers we spoke to has has looked at this specifically, how introversion and extroversion plays out um, in our ideas of who's a good leader. And so he did a sort of lab-based experiment. It had these a bunch of people come in and um, work under different conditions where they were in a group setting, and some people had to act introverted, whether or not they were introverted themselves, and some had to act extroverted. And the introverted people more or less could do the extroversion when they needed to, and it didn't seem to cost them too much emotionally to to play that role. But the extroverts really struggled having to, like, shut up and be introverted. They really <laughs> could not wrap their heads heads around that. But um, and, and that also affected their ideas about uh, how effective they would be as leaders, whereas introverts, when they were acting as extroverts, felt totally fine about their leadership potential. Is there something kind of happening in our brains then when we're acting introverted or extroverted? Yeah. So Dr. Andrew Spark um, is a personality scientist from Queensland University of Technology. He's the researcher who I spoke to in this episode. And he talked about how there's the reward circuit in the brain, which is where dopamine plays out, the reward chemical neurotransmitter. And extroverts seem to be more sensitive and responsive to the dopamine hit that comes from social interaction. Their brains seem to respond much more to that than introverts. So there is a bit of brain difference happening there. That means extroverts just get that rush from talking to other people that doesn't sort of happen with introverts. Does that mean your brain's like hungrier for dopamine, like you need more to be happy? Or does it mean that you're happier at baseline? Well, Generally, extroverts are happier. That's what the research shows, according to Dr. Andrew Spark. They are less likely to be depressed. They're more likely to report uh, satisfaction in their jobs later in life. They're more likely to report um, satisfaction in their relationships later in life. So there seems to be a role in extroversion kind of giving an extra bit of happiness to, to people who are that way. So we were talking before about whether you can like make yourself more extroverted if you're introverted and vice versa. And you actually spoke to someone who did this. I feel like I'm fairly extroverted person, but the sorts of things that this person kind of forced themselves to do in trying to be extroverted, like <laughs> sound awful. Yeah, I'm in the same basket. And actually, before I say that, I should do a giant caveat in all of this. None of this is to say there's something wrong with introverts and like no, we love introverts. introverts are bad and you shouldn't be an introvert and you should all try to be extroverted. No, there's lots of strengths to introversion. It was just in these particular instances and bits of research we were talking about, it was about the benefits of extroversion. So there's that. But yes, so Jessica Pan is a journalist living in London. She wrote a book all about her introversion, but like trying to, for a year, act more extroverted because she found herself feeling quite lonely and isolated. And she was just sort of avoiding all interactions that gave her any bit of anxiety, which was pretty much all interactions. So she just thought like she'd come to a pretty unhappy point in her life that she needed to make a change. And so she embarked on all these sorts of um, experiments that were given to her by various researchers of introversion and extroversion and happiness and socializing. And one of the things that she was told to do was to go out on the tube and ask people, 
ask people if there was a Queen of England and if so, what her name was. And this is when <laughs> Queen Elizabeth was still alive. Um, but like just the most horrible thing you could imagine doing. But that was a way to like do the worst thing possible and realize no one's going to, you know, you're not going to die. It's all going to be fine. What's the worst that could happen? So it was a it form of exposure torturous. therapy. It sounds like torture. <laughs> sounds like torture. And someone, the first person she asked when, you know, she said, who is the Queen of England, told her Victoria. (laughs) She wasn't the biggest idiot in that situation, if I'm being perfectly blunt. Either that or they were really stirring her. (laughs) Yeah, or that, exactly. Okay, so that sounds awful. So she did a bunch of different, not not every experiment was this awful. No. What did she find at the end of the year? So she, yeah, not all the experiments were that awful. Some involved sort of um, going on like blind dates with potential friends, potential new girlfriends. She had tried a bit of stand-up. That's pretty nightmarish. Oh, my God. But at the end of it, she also through a dinner party, which had long been her, like, worst fear because you're responsible for the happiness of all these people that come to your house and, you know, you have to feed them and all all these things. And so she did that after at the end of this year. And there was a bit of awkwardness and, it, you know, it wasn't magical, but it wasn't terrible and it actually went pretty okay. And she did find herself finally feeling less isolated, more willing to talk to people, having actually even made some close friends over the course of a year. And she felt like she just came out of her shell a bit more. Having said all of that, like the dinner party and all these interactions did still totally exhaust her. She absolutely needed to recharge with some alone time after. But the difference was she had some relationships in her life that she didn't have before, and that was really important. I think that's really interesting about the being exhausted at the end because we're sort of talking about like try out introversion or try out extroversion if that's not your natural tendency. But there is something kind of fundamental to us and sort of honouring that is also really important. Absolutely. Like do not chase extroversion to the expense of your mental health. Like it's it's only a thing that you should consider trying to be a bit more if you do find yourself lonely because that is a risk factor with introversion that you can end up a bit lonelier. And so if you find yourself in that space, then there are things you can do to like sort of nudge you in the margins a bit more towards extroversion without changing your entire personality and, and making you be you know, not true to yourself. Yeah. So what have you taken away from this as a as a passionate extrovert? Ooh, good question. What about um that I like being an extrovert. <laughs> I um I mean I will say I'm I feel like I'm a shy extrovert actually. Like I, I love talking to people, but I struggle to make the first move. When people make the first move, I'm totally there for it. And one of the things actually Jessica Pan talked about, one of the researchers she spoke to told her this line that People never wave, but people will always wave back. So, like, if you make the first move, you will pretty much always get some sort of response back. People are generally really grateful for the person who's made the first move. So that's kind of like a little lesson that's stuck in my mind where even if I'm feeling shy um, about making the first move, you know, talking to someone, uh, it's good to know that generally people are receptive to that. So maybe I should give it a go anyways. I love that. It's very sweet. Thanks so much, Sana. Thank you. QuickSmart is made on the lands of the Jagera and Turrbal and Gadigal people. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.